Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan, but before we do, guys, I've got to ask a really important question. If you put one lasagna on top of another lasagna, is it two lasagnas or just one big one? Oh my gosh! Yep, yep. Should I repeat that question for you? Uh, you yeah, it? yeah. No, you gotta. We gotta absorb that one. Okay. If you put one lasagna on top of another lasagna, is it two lasagnas or just one big one? Yeah, it's big. <laughs> I so my, the image I have in mind is is other things you might stack, like like cake. Like if you take, <laughs> no, I mean, not that I'm in the habit of taking pieces of cake and stacking them, but if you did think about what would happen, like if you have a chocolate cake with frosting on top, you put another piece of that chocolate cake with frosting on top. It's just a, a like you might make a cake with frosting in the middle, right? And you might have like three layers of cake with frosting in the middle, like, you know, yeah, like a wedding yeah. cake or whatever. Yeah. So it's just, it's just a bigger cake. So yeah. I feel like it's just a big lasagna. So you're contending it's a taller cake and a bigger lasagna. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I would agree with that. It's kind of a makeshift version, but like, yeah. Yeah. Unless the lasagna, some people when they make lasagna, they double stack the noodles at the bottom to give it a little bit more sturdiness. Ah, uh, yes. Oh. So if the bottom of the lasagna that's being set on the top has a thicker bottom to it because it's two layers of lasagna noodles. Then then you have a barrier in between. Mm. And that that is more like a Big Mac. Like, is it two <laughs> hamburgers or is it or is it one? Well... Is it it's, a Big Mac? It's a Big Mac because it's got the bread in the middle mm. and just kind of two things on the side. Like it's a barrier there. But a Big Mac is one sandwich. But it, but is it two hamburgers? It's two hamburgers. But it's one sandwich. And two slices but, but of cheese. But if you cheese. said I ordered a burger, if you said I ordered a burger and it was a Big Mac, I'd say, yes, that was a burger. I, didn't, I wouldn't say, no, you ordered burgers. Right. Yeah, yeah that's true. So it's one, one, so it's one. So a Big Mac is one sandwich. So... Based, so based we... on his cake analogy and the Big Mac analogy, this is one lasagna. One lasagna. Unless, <laughs> unless Nikki twists this somehow. To no, make it... I was just going to say, because I, I would believe it'd be one lasagna too. I, I mean, I was kind of like wondering if you were going to say it was two separate pieces with the whole like double layer, but. If I went to someone's house and they served a lasagna that tall, I would have <laughs> questions. <laughs> So whether it is one lasagna or two lasagnas, it's a weird lasagna. <laughs> it's, it's weird. A tall one would be weird. Yeah. Hard to eat. As long as it has sausage in it, yeah, mm. it's all good. It doesn't stack, matter. Stack that thing as tall Let, as you want. Let's be honest. Some lasagnas just fall apart anyway, and it's, sure. it, it's, it's just a combination of things. I actually take the lasagna and break it up into pieces. Oh, so you, you I don't, don't eat it you like You smash a, your lasagna? Like I, break, I like break it up. I don't like I don't like cut it as I eat it. I like like cut mashed it up. mashed lasagna, like yeah. mashed potatoes. <laughs> yeah. Then why don't you just make baked ziti? I don't know. It's just what I do. <laughs> and you're Italian, right? Partly. Are your parents going to be squirming hearing this that no. you smash your lasagna? No, they okay. see it. <laughs> they see it. They've seen it. They see it. it. <laughs> they, see it. <laughs> they might look at me sideways, but I wouldn't have caught it. You know what is better than the stacked goodness of two lasagnas? What? The stacked goodness of Holy Week at Christ Community Church. Oh, my Church. gosh. Wow. <laughs> hey, I don't get paid for this You're podcast. You're stacking cake and he's stacking Holy Week. I don't, I don't get paid for these segues either, so you get what you get. Oh. Holy Week is going to be fantastic at Christ Community Church. I'm preaching Palm Sunday. Then we have Stations of the Cross going on all week, which is art exhibit meets prayer experience. 
Uh, two campuses hosting Stations of the Cross, uh, one day at DeKalb, all, all five days of Holy Week at our St. Charles South Elgin campus, and that's because this uh, this event has become so popular that we needed to expand the hours of it, and you have to re- reserve your arrival slot. There are so many slots in every 15-minute increments throughout the day. Then Clayton and our campus pastors are all preaching live at our various campuses on Good Friday, and then we have... Easter celebration services all weekend, a lot of stacked goodness for an entire week at Christ Community Church. It, it really is yeah. one of the best weeks of the year here, so really I'm looking is. forward to it. It's going to be tasty. It's going to be fun. All right, Clayton, what passage are we looking at? All right, we are in Colossians chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 6. Uh, once again, this is one of those books that uh, only takes up a week, so we're really just doing one passage on the podcast here, but you have uh, already started reading, or you, you are starting reading this week. And uh, to get some context, we always recommend Bible Project videos or the introduction to the NIV Study Bible, uh, which you can find uh, where, Nikki? Podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Oh, no, that no. was the email. Oh, sorry. I was, I was looking for the URL. I was looking for the passage. <laughs> oh, man, you set her up for failure on that. <laughs> I didn't. I should have seen. She was, she was turning was... to the passage. Yeah. First of all, <laughs> since this is not a video podcast, you all need to know that Nikki was not paying attention to Clayton <laughs> at all. So that setup was not going to fly no matter what. I was trying to pull but up my study Bible. But that particular setup is always for the email. <laughs> it's always for the email. That's very it's true. It's always for the email. Uh, well, well, I'm glad we both botched that together. The point is, you can find no, 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 no. I'm, I'm calling this out. First, first of all, we moved right, we moved right past the fact that you said Holy Week is going to be tasty. I didn't so, catch it. I so, didn't catch it. He said that. Yes, he did. He said it's going to mm, tasty. Mm, it was wonder, a lasagna metaphor. I wonder if our listeners. <laughs> yeah, it. I don't know if you can call Holy Week tasty, but Clayton did. It's like you you can't implicate Nikki in that botched handoff. Uh, that, I apologize. That fumble was all yours. <laughs> I apologize. I apologize. Well, uh, hopefully, in all of this, you can figure out where to get context information, uh, listeners, and we will we'll, we will sort ourselves out um, at biblesavvy.com. Biblesavvy.com. <laughs> all right. Yes. Um, let me give you just enough context to understand this passage. This, uh, like we've been reading, is another letter of Paul. Uh, he is writing to a church, and there is some kind of false teaching going on at this church. Uh, scholars debate exactly what was involved in that because he doesn't just lay it out, but we can tell that he's trying to correct some weird things that are going on. It's some combination of kind of uh, kind of Jewish religious practices and uh, probably some you know philosophical ideas from kind of the Greek culture. Pe- people debate on how much and what mix is in there. The point is there are some things that he's addressing. You're going to see a few of those uh, kind of things in his passage today. Um, but he's he's trying to get people uh, to go to the right source for truth. So let's start reading in chapter 2, verse 6. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. 
When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. All right, we start with observations. What do you see in this passage? Uh, we see, I see a lot of repeating of like live in him, with him. Uh, there's a lot of in Christ. Um, yeah, it's, it's this whole idea of being, I, I love it. It's just like rootedness. In, in Christ. And you see that word rooted there. Um, but the one thing that I, I kind of looked at was like this contrast between living in Christ and then living in the world. Oh. That sound means it's time for your comma tip of the week. The O in the comma method is observation. But what are we looking for? Treats, I say. Treats. T-R-T-S. When reading your daily selection from the Bible Savvy Reading Schedule, take a minute or two and look for T. What's the theme of what I'm reading? Another T that means the same thing would be topic. R, are there any repeating words or phrases? T, a truth about God. Or S, something striking. It's what we do every week on the podcast, and you can do it too. So give it a shot for a day, or two, or ten. It just may help you concentrate, have a game plan, and get more out of your Bible reading. And this has been your comma tip of the week. Treats, I say. Treats. <laughs> if, if you're going to use the acronym treats, you got to give it a you little. Gotta get a, you got to yeah. give it what, it's de, what it deserves. Uh, circumcision. I, I saw the use of the circumcision imagery, and he's saying we weren't. it wasn't a physical circumcision. Uh, so that, that word pops up a lot. I noticed in verse 7 some mixed metaphors. Uh, I like all of them, but they're funny together. Uh, rooted, so there's like the tree with roots, and then built up like a building, strengthened, and then overflowing. And so uh, he, he wants a, a lot of good stuff from them, but I just noticed the, the weird metaphors. Another thing that I see here is uh, this whole idea of, so he says, be strengthened in the faith as you were taught. Uh, and then he immediately says, like, don't let anyone take you captive through hollow and deceptive uh, philosophy that depends on human tradition and elemental spiritual forces. So one thing was like, okay, so we've got to be reminded of what we're taught, and then we can't be deceived by things that are false. But then I was like, what the heck are elemental spiritual forces? <laughs> like, yeah. And again, the NIV study Bible is like, not very clear on it. Oh, I didn't even look at the note. Yeah, it's it's a confusing one in this passage. Because at first it sounds like, hey, watch out for true and false teaching, which is uh, you know not always easy, but relatively straightforward. But then it's like, but something spiritual going on behind this? You'll see it in a couple other places here. Um, as you go further down, it talks about um, Jesus being the head over every power and authority. And then down in the, the last paragraph we read, it says he disarmed the powers and authorities, which in lots of places in the New Testament are references to spiritual forces that stand behind the things that are going on in the world. And so it's definitely the idea that behind some of the false teaching is not just the humans that are preaching it, but the the forces of evil that want us to believe lies. Yeah, and and probably between those spiritual forces and us is the world of thought, 
right? If, if the enemy can get us to believe lies and get us to act on them, then he's got us moving down a path of destruction. And so if you think in any culture, like you talk about the elemental spiritual forces, another, another word might be like the zeitgeist or the, just the general feeling and attitudes of the culture and the age in which you live, which if you just go along with it, it could be very hollow and deceptive and it could be very destructive. Another observation for me is verse four, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine sounding arguments. We just need to re- remind ourselves that sometimes the first time you hear something, it sounds right. But when you actually like dig in a little bit, uh, he uses the word hollow. So it always reminds me, have, you, have your parents ever given you a hollow chocolate Easter bunny? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's incredibly disappointing. <laughs> yeah. Right? It present, it's true. It presents it's true. itself as a solid chocolate bunny. <laughs> You bite into it and it's hollow and not satisfying. Some, sometimes fine-sounding arguments are like that. It looks like the real thing, but then once you take a bite, there's not a whole lot there. I just got this picture of like um, parents who have like younger kids who have never gotten one of those Easter bunnies. If like this Easter they give their kids that and like this spiritual like this disappointment just comes on their kids' face. Like if they could capture that in pictures and they need to send it to us. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you just wait a minute. You want parents yeah. to intentionally buy their kids hollow just chocolate to see bunnies. What, just to see what will happen. Like will they be as disappointed as we were? Or will kids be like, This is great? Nah. No. <laughs> no. Be, and and the, the candy eyeballs on, like the hard candy eyeballs on hollow Easter bunnies, they're just terrible. <laughs> do, you guys, do you guys remember? All right. I'm the oldest one in the room right now, so this might date me, but do you guys remember button candy? Yeah. Are, are those the ones on the paper? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. yeah I, I feel like someone like took button candy <laughs> off of the paper and like glued it on the hollow chocolate bunnies. I ate more paper when I was doing button candy than, than candy. Oh, yeah, I never that, liked yeah it. not into that. No. Um, another observation I've got here is, um, so when it talks about circumcision, it then also talks about baptism. So there's a, there's a kind of a connection here. So circumcision was the thing that marked uh, a baby boy who was born into the Jewish community or someone who converted to Judaism. So it was kind of the uh, initiation rite into the community. So Paul's making a connection. He's already made clear in lots of other places, you know, as a Christ follower, you don't need to be circumcised to, you know, get in. You don't have to become Jewish to be a Christian. Um, But there is a a symbol that marks people as they come in from the outside to the inside, and that is baptism. So he kind of makes that link uh, between those two, saying, all right, in the way that circumcision was kind of a mark of saying you're spiritually impotent. That's kind of where the symbolism comes from, saying you're helpless to help yourself. Baptism is similar to that. It's you dying, saying, I can't save myself. I'm dead in my sins. I need to be buried and raised to life in Christ. And so he makes that, that connection of saying, this is now uh, kind of the, the spiritual equivalent to that. My next observation is a question. If you stack one button candy on top of another <laughs> button candy, do you have one button candy or two button candies? Two. You, ha- you, you actually get more than two. It's triple the disappointment. <laughs> Ripple the disappointment. That's funny. Parents, don't buy your kids button candy if it even exists anymore. Or hollow Or hollow chocolate bunnies. Come on, y'all. Like, if you got to save the money. Anything hollow. If you got to save the money, like if it's a budget thing, like you only have so much money to put together the Easter basket. Listen closely, parents. I've raised four kids. (laughs) Buy the solid chocolate bunny and just skimp on the rest of the candy. They won't notice. (laughs) Yeah, the, the... yeah. Well, oh, I was going to say, don't but, worry about the, the the jelly beans, but you, you, you like, like, no, you, you like jelly you gotta beans. You got to worry about the jelly beans. 
but I promise, kids are paying attention to that chocolate bunny in the Easter basket. They are. What else do you see? Um, that entire chunk, 13 through 15, is just so powerful. Um, and even if, like, even if you were just to look, I, like, the two things I highlighted was, like, when you were dead in your sins, God made you alive with Christ. Like, that sentence in and of itself um, is so profound and, and powerful. Uh, and then I love how that the, the verse ends with, uh, that he he triumphed, uh, with, like he triumphed by the cross. Like it's talking yeah. about those this like disarming the powers and the authorities, but he triumphed over them through the cross. And that's interesting. With that is like back then the cross was like a symbol of like a cursed thing, like it wasn't anything good. And yet he used something that was not seen as good by like the standards of the world to do something triumphant and victorious. Yeah, it, it's. Uh emphasized even in the phrase right before it, it says, he made a public spectacle mm-hmm. of them. Well, a public spectacle would be like if you conquered somebody and you had captives from the army that you defeated and you marched them through your town to be like, look at this, look at how shamed they are. We have conquered them. They're literally marching prisoners through town. Well, what was the cross? Jesus was marched as a prisoner through town. And Paul is saying, well, that actually was him mocking these forces who thought they could get the better of him. It's it's really rich stuff. Like we're used to the cross being something that's, you know, a positive symbol, but he is doing something really, really countercultural yeah. by doing that. A reading verse 13 that Nikki referred to, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. It just reminds me of that old preacher saying, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. Yes. I think that's a really, yeah. really good quote. Yes. I wonder who said that first. No one really knows. I said that first. That's my quote. Can <laughs> oh, we just... Cool. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Yep. I'm pretty sure this is the first time we Air heard first. that. And, uh, and and they all got it from you. Do you there know who said it before me? No. So mm-hmm. I guess you can claim it. Yes. yes. It's, like a, it's like a patent. Totally. No one's patented it. You okay. just patent it. Okay. Unless any of our listeners tell us which preacher or writer said that first by emailing us at... Podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Oh, so that's how you do then it. That's I, how you then do then it. Then I'm going to claim the it. quote. And Clayton, that's how you set her up for that's, the email address. I, I've, you know, I've been shown my, the error of my ways. <laughs> Um, the other thing I want to see here is the cancel the charge of the legal indebtedness that stood against us. Um, that verse 14 there, um, if you, there's almost a visual to it that you got to think of. If you were saying, all right, here is the list of crimes that someone has committed kind of as a document to say they're condemned. It's as if that document was nailed to the cross. You know what I mean? That there's the, I mean, it's, it's a little bit cliche now, but it's still a powerful experience when I've done it. There are those moments in a, in a church service where uh, you might write down sin that you need to confess and then go and uh, take a hammer and nail and nail it to the cross. There is something really, really powerful about saying this, this stuff that I wouldn't be able to shake, it'd be on my record, is now totally gone. Like it, it, is, it is paid for, it's done, it's dealt with. That's, that's a really, really powerful thing. All right, let's move to one of the M's in comma, which is meditation. This is when we prayerfully ponder some aspect of the passage. And so uh, I'm going to read for us uh, a portion of that, pas- that, that paragraph at the end here uh, that we've been talking about just now. It says this, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us and has taken it away, nailing it to the cross.
All right, let's talk about message, the second M in comma. This is when we take something that we have seen and we try to sum up a principle that we can apply to our lives from it. So what message do you get? Uh, my message, I'm, I'm, I'm looking here with Easter on my mind. Um, I have a life with Christ is strengthened in the faith and overflowing with thanksgiving, thankfulness. Um, it's this idea that when I think of like Easter uh, and, and Good Friday, we are coming together to reflect and to remember and to celebrate what our faith is built on. And um, that passage really sums it up for me. And by reflecting and celebrating, we overflow with thanks, thank, thankfulness. There's no way not to. I think my message would be two words, in him. Hmm. It's all in him. Yeah. So any, I think what, what Paul is doing here is whatever, whatever the false teaching was, somehow it was distracting them from Jesus and the accomplishment of the cross. And any time that we're hearing any kind of teaching, if we, or just things we're starting to believe in our own lives, if we find somehow Jesus out of the picture, it's probably, it's not probably, it's definitely going in the wrong direction. In, in him. My message is Jesus has defeated the spiritual powers, so we shouldn't believe their lies. So if, if it's hollow, he's shown it. He's, he said, look, there's nothing behind this. Uh, and so uh, we should be discerning and saying, are we, are we really going to believe uh, the things that they want us to believe? All right, let's talk about application. That's the A in comma. This is when we say, what do we do? How do we respond to this? Based on my message, uh, a life with Christ is strengthened in the faith and overflowing with thankfulness. Uh, my application is this this daily recognition uh, to, to make sure you're practicing this daily meditation of your faith, right, in the work that God did through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus on our behalf. Uh, it gives us a lot to be thankful for, and that kind of uh, regular meditation is a it's, that posture is transformational. It's not just something to be uh, reflected on once a year or a couple times a year or uh, on communion weekends or anything like that. But reading the Word, being in prayer, daily recognition of our faith in the work that God did through Jesus. My message is in Him, and so I am thinking about keeping my eyes on him, keeping my focus on him. And my, my mind went to how easy it is for habits to get off track. And so it, it, we all know this, the basics of the Christian life, prayer, Bible reading, gathering with other believers. Okay. So often when I, when I hear people or I'm pastoring people, I'm like, okay, well, tell me what's going on in your life. How's your Bible reading been going? How's your prayer life? How's your church attendance? Almost always, one of those three basic things that help us keep our eyes on Jesus have been sidelined. And so my, my application is to try to shorten those seasons as much as possible. Like what life happens and our habits kind of spiral a little bit. Like if you're talking to someone about their Bible study habits or their prayer life habits or their church attendance, almost all of us will say at some point, one of them goes off the rails. Shorten that season as much as you possibly can. Okay, if you didn't come to church this weekend, come next weekend. Don't let it become two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. If you haven't been in the Bible in a few days, okay, get back in the Bible. Don't let it become four days, five days, six days. So if my message is in him, then my application is to keep my eyes on him. 
so my message was uh, Jesus has defeated the powers, so we shouldn't believe their lies. And and so what that take it takes is us paying attention to where we're believing things that aren't true. Uh, it's it's what verse eight says: "See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy." And um, I, I think about this especially in areas where things seem like common sense. Now there is some things that are just common sense, but other things that like everybody around us just sort of assumes that's the way the world works. Um, and, and, you know, this is how you should live, or this is what you should think about, you know, an opinion about this or that. It's worth pausing to ask the question and say, okay, what idea is behind this? What, what story are they assuming? What, uh, what, you know, uh, vision of the good life do they, you know, are, are they pursuing? And is that actually true? Like, is this, does this actually line up with what the Bible says is right or wrong or true or false or desirable and good worth pursuing. Because uh, a lot of times, um, you know, I, I think Eric used the the big word of zeitgeist earlier. Like there's just something in the air. There's like the assumptions that we have that we say, oh, this is this makes total sense and is worth pursuing. But if we don't stop and say, really? Then we, we'll just get sucked along. So we've got to pause and reflect on those things. All right. Well, there you have it, friends. Thanks for listening this week. Join us again next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage Holy from the Bible Saturday reading plan. Clayton said so. And in the meantime, if you're not following along with the reading plan, check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and start reading with us. All you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs>